Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. A few years back, a decade now, I met Craig Robinson. And we've had him on, on, on the show, Iowa GOP or on Twitter, G-O-P-E-R, Iowa GOP. Or he actually ran the caucuses for a while for the Republican Party, organized the caucuses in the state of Iowa, which is no small feat. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z, TonyKatz.com. And he said something to me that was kind of amazing. He said, I don't apologize. I thought, that, I thought that was a very strange statement at the time. His argument was, I'm not saying anything I don't believe. I have no reason to apologize for the things that I'm saying. And, and for years, I, I took that as, well, you, sh- you should know what you're saying, right? And, 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 and uh, not getting anything wrong. But, but no, maybe, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the idea that when when you say something based on conviction, based on what what you see, that the the data, you don't have to apologize because somebody else wants to make a claim that what you're saying is is hateful or bigoted and all these things. And we've seen over the years how many people want to tell you that you're racist, you're bigoted, you're this, you're that, you're you're the other. Because you, uh, you, you don't believe in racism. Well, no, no, I, I believe racism is, is real. Well, you don't believe in intersectionality. Well, I don't think there's racism and everything. See, that's proof of your racism. And then they invented uh, DEI. And then they followed it up with the concepts of white fragility. So if you are white and you should have a question about what's being said, you see, that's just proof that you're fragile. You can't handle the fact that you're really a bigot. What a... What a twisted and Marxist view of the world. There can be no questioning the now accepted orthodoxy. And that accepted orthodoxy, of course, comes through the education system. And you see more and more parents discussing what's going on with their kids' education, disgusted by what they see with their kids' education, because of the activist class who believes in these kinds of things I just mentioned, who then want to apply them in the schools. And that led to a a real back and forth with me on, on, on social media, it wasn't so much a back and forth. It was me, I, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest social media user in, in, in the world. But certainly since Elon Musk has purchased Twitter, I've gone back to utilizing Twitter more. And I think there's a real opportunity for Twitter in the content creation game and the content distribution game uh, for me. I think there's a real opportunity there. And I think for not just me, but for lots of people, for you and, and, and other content creators, etc. And it involved this idea of whether or not parents should have a say. And there are people out there who truly believe that parents shouldn't be able to have a say in their kids' education. And, and, I, and so much of this is happening in Indiana. And there's this town called Fishers. And the school district is the Hamilton Southeastern School District. So Fishers is to the north and east of Indianapolis. The Hamilton Southeastern School District is probably the most woke. I mean, maybe there are others in Indiana that are more so, but they are unbelievably proud of it. It has been uh, changing uh, the, the, the school handbooks for students and, 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 and the pride in their diversity. It's really uh, a desire to really indoctrinate uh, these kids. It has been 
It has been frightening, and there's been a lot of pushback, including to the point where uh, a a slate ran for school board to replace these progressives. Uh, they were Republicans. They won. They I think they went four for four. Four four uh, Republicans w- ran, and they won. I mean, they took over the school board, and then there's been things about the library and everything else, and of course, differences between school libraries and public libraries. But that those Republicans really non-progressives they won and took over the school board and we did see school board victories across the country these are indeed good things but i wanted to run you through something that happened uh, all the things that happened if you will over the last 24 hours uh, on on my twitter feed at tony katz i want to run you through it because because this happened you're unqualified to decide who's failing the kids Maybe less gun range training and more studying with your child at the dinner table. Like when I was a kid, stop with the jokes. Well, that's a take. And just one of these many, many tweets uh, that I received. And this is about what's going on in these Hamilton Southeastern schools. Really all schools, but I was being specific to Hamilton Southeastern in Fishers and, and this group. The shameful antics of something called HS Equal which is about uh, Hamilton Southeastern schools and pushing leftism, uh, certainly favoring left-leaning candidates, etc., and how upset they are. Oh, my gosh, why is this so political? The Republicans made this political. What are you talking madness? You should go follow the, the, the thread. Republicans did not make this political. Republicans did respond to the political nature of what was happening in schools, and they changed the school board there, and they're hopefully going to change school boards all across the country, and we can take the politics out. But their argument is you made it political because you're running on a Republican slate. You sat, you're embarrassing. You lost. You lost because you got bad ideas. Oh, no, the problem was dark money. Okay. It was dark money in the school board race. That was the difference. It wasn't parents disgusted by what they're seeing. Oh, and then there's the ever popular. You don't get to have a say. These people are educators. Parents, you don't get to have a say. Isn't this everything we've been fighting? Of course you get a say. Of course you get a say. And so we're clear, there are plenty of good teachers out there. But you've got a lot of teachers who are progressives, who are taught by teachers who are progressives, who were taught by teachers who are progressives. And they want to make students progressives. I want to make students understand math. Know how to use the Oxford comma. What can I say? I'm old school. You see, you conservatives, you haven't brought anything new to the table in 50 years. You're just old and stale. I want kids to learn math. If that's old and stale, I'm cool. You want kids to do common core math, which makes them incapable of actually adding anything together. And math should involve feelings. and We should make sure it's not racist. (laughs) My way actually develops something. Your way absolutely destroys people your way ruins the mind my way has kids doing math black kids and white kids and asian kids and hispanic kids and men and women gay and straight and anything else you want to throw in there but the best part is you talk on the radio you aren't a trained educator well you got me you got me i talk on the radio maybe not for forever This job could be over before you know it. Sometimes I think it is. 
I don't know. If I didn't talk on the radio, it wouldn't make me wrong. If I'm having this conversation on a bar stool, it doesn't make me wrong. Parents get a say. And the trained educator might not be doing our kids the best job. It was the trained educators who said we had to keep schools closed in order to keep the teachers safe. And I love it. Somebody said, wasn't it the politicians and doctors who said this? I don't know. They said whatever Randy Weingarten told them to say because we know the letters were sent. We know that the teachers union in Chicago literally said we're not going back to school. These kids are going to get us killed. We know that shutting down the schools didn't make anybody safer. We know that putting kids in masks hurt their educational futures, damaged them. And now we have damage that might last a generation plus. And people throw these arguments out like they know something. Get it straight, Fishers. Carmel, Zionsville, Brownsburg, Danville, Greenwood, Greenfield. The people who want to push every other argument except the argument of personal responsibility are the people who need to, who need to be taught a lesson. They need to be told how res- despicable they are. Don't engage in, 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 in sophism. Don't try and change the subject. Yes, you did this, and yes, you were wrong. And anytime you say, I'm not allowed to have a say, I'm the parent, I'm the taxpayer. I don't get to have a say? Well, if I don't get to have a say, who does? Some stranger over my kid? Kiss off, you freaks. This is why you lost your, your, your school board races in many places. It should have happened in Carmel Clay, but I think that's a screw-up of the Hamilton County Republican Party, and they better learn their lesson for next time. Some people are angry with me about that. I sleep fine. If I saw them in the street, I'd tell them the same. Win more school board races, keep things normal. Normal is making sure that the parents get listened to. Now, different communities might come up with different results. Let's see how it works. I didn't say that Democrats don't get a say. I didn't say liberals don't get a say. They're parents too. Of course they get a say. That's the argument. You absolute authoritarian freak children. You don't believe the parents should have a say, and I'm on the side of parents. All the parents, you're the one telling them to sit down and shut up. Kiss off. You're garbage and you're terrible for kids. You're terrible for education. And then, of course, I get the ever-popular, you're unqualified to decide who's failing the kids. Maybe less gun range training and more studying with your child at the dinner table. And then, of course, they spelled your Y-O-U-R, you're unqualified, as opposed to Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Yeah, these people should be in charge of education. They shouldn't be in charge of anything. I'm not so sure if they should be allowed to have driver's licenses. And and so we're clear, I don't spend enough time training at gun ranges. I, I hate shooting. Oh, no, no, I, I carry a firearm. I don't spend enough time training. I know it. I need to spend more time training. I, I don't get any joy out of it at all. People love going to the range. They, I get asked to go clay uh, shooting all, all the time. I'm like, nah. It's just not, it's just not an interest. I, I won't lie to you. I find it boring as hell. And I've said this many times. I'm absolutely a Second Amendment guy. I think I can go pretty deep. Maybe not as deep as others, but I think I can go pretty deep. A gun guy? Nope. 
and you can't fake it, don't even try don't even try to fake it. The people who are into firearms, they are in and they'll know it. Don't fake it. Admit that you don't know. It's okay. What do you think the political left gets hit on so many times? They pretend to know things about firearms. They pretend to know the difference between semi-automatic and automatic. These are the people who think that AR stands for assault rifle on an AR-15. They don't know anything, and they're proud of it. And when I say proud of it, they don't care. All they know is guns equal bad or something like that, and they go about trying to push legislation that prevents law-abiding citizens from being able to have their rights. Now... I just told you I'm pretty good on the Second Amendment. I am not a gun guy. I am not an expert on guns. Are you telling me, therefore, I'm not allowed to have a say? I'm not allowed to have a say on the Second Amendment? And if we go the other way, should only people who are experts in firearms be able to have a say on the Second Amendment? Of course the political left and, of course, the gun grabbers would never say such a thing, allow such a thing. What kind of craziness is this? Of course they tell you you're nuts. They're citizens and they have rights. But parents don't. Taxpayers don't. They don't get to have any say in their kids' education. All they have to do by penalty of law is send the kid to school and let others decide what goes into their brain. Now, some people, you, you see how maddening that is, but some people have, have, have said to me, Tony, the problem here is personal responsibility. The problem is home and the problem is society and parents aren't doing enough. Please, let's never get it twisted. Let's, let's be friends on this one. I absolutely agree that there are societal issues at play that are massively problematic. And I 100% agree that parents need to be the front line in educating their children. But shouldn't we be proactive in preventing that societal rot by being proactive about ensuring that the education that our kids get via the barrel of a gun? Remember, if we don't send our kids to school, we go to jail. They take our kids from us. And then that happens via government force. Government force only happens via the barrel of a gun. Am I the first person to have explained this to some people? Maybe I am. Maybe I am, but let us be clear about what it is that we're discussing. This is how it happens. Government force via the barrel of a gun. That's well, how, how else does government force even work? That's why you have to send your kid to a public school. Me, I would do away with the Department of Education, and we should admit that this uh, experiment in public education has failed in vast, vast, vast ways, and we don't have a populace that is more educated than the generation before. It's worse. And I say this as a parent whose kids go to a public high school, and I think it's fantastic. I am super impressed with what my kids are learning. I'm also on top of it 24-7. But my argument is one about parents being able to have a say. That includes all parents, even the ones that disagree with me. Their argument is anyone who disagrees with them should not be allowed to have a say because they're not qualified. Being a parent is all the qualification one needs. Wait, one day, it'll be, I assume sooner than rather than later, they'll get into a conversation about licensing to be a parent. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, the government has to sanction uh, who can breed. Oh, that, that, that'll that come. And that's why you need, of course, the abortions because the people who aren't allowed to breed, you know, it's just get rid of that. And you say to me, Tony, that is, 
dystopia on dystopia, even for you, that's dark. And my point to you is, I'm just taking their arguments to their natural conclusion and pointing out how absolutely horrific their arguments are. I use the firearms example as a way of saying they would never accept the fact that you'd have to be an expert to have a a conversation about uh, firearms and gun laws, et cetera, the Second Amendment. I don't need to be an expert in education. I need to see the result and say this isn't working. People who are not experts in policing got a lot of things to say about policing. I bring this up, and, and again, at Tony Katz on Twitter, X, sorry, go check it out. Don't apologize. I started by saying, you know, this whole thing about sorry. This friend, Craig, saying he does not apologize. You don't have to apologize. You have nothing to apologize for. Nothing to apologize for. These are your kids. This is your neighborhood. You have a right to have a say, and you have a right to demand better. You don't have to apologize for it. They call you a racist. They call you a bigot. They tell you you're not an expert. It doesn't matter. You don't have to apologize for it. You have to recognize sometimes you lose and then you keep fighting. Maybe you learn a little bit more. You're like, wait a second, we could think of it this way, right? That all makes sense. But don't apologize to these people. Don't apologize to these people. Don't apologize for wanting better for your kid. Never, ever, never, ever, never. I'm Tony Katz. And I'm probably more proud of the fact that we appointed three of the justices to the Supreme Court who sent Roe versus Wade to the ash heap of history where it belonged. Uh, you know, I always stood loyally by President Donald Trump until my oath to the Constitution required me to do otherwise. But my differences with the president go far beyond that fateful day. That is Mike Pence speaking at an event in Georgia. And look, he, he only can say this thing. I didn't believe and I don't believe. Uh, and the Constitution doesn't say I have the right to reject the electors. I didn't. And I stood uh, loyal to President Trump until my oath to the Constitution required me to do otherwise, which is saying that there is something bigger than Donald Trump. That is considered by many to be heresy. But it is the thing that attracts people to Pence. They do like that about him. I just don't think they like it enough to make him the nominee. I don't think they like it enough to give him a third place showing in New Hampshire. I don't think they like it enough to give him a third place showing in Iowa. And the polling certainly shows that. He's nowhere near third place, sixth place in Iowa. He is in eighth place in New Hampshire. And that's where he's going to stay. I believe he was right. He he couldn't do what he couldn't do. And I believe that he has if he wants to to just share that as his top line story, he can. But it will not move the needle needle enough to get him votes to keep him in this race for any length of time. I don't see where that's possible. The question before us is exactly how long will this whole race go on? That's the thing we've been talking about more than any. We'll get into it next week for sure. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. Do, 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 do.
So first, the only drama with the Colts was Jonathan Taylor. Well, maybe the first, the only drama was Chris Ballard. Then the only drama was Jonathan Taylor. And the, the contract and wanting more money and the spat between the agent and owner Jim Ursay. And then Jonathan Taylor wasn't at training camp. It was, it was a, a health issue. It was the back. Oh, it's not the back. Who knows what it was? And then he's back uh, at camp, except, oh, no, he's excused for personal reasons. Oh, okay. This is getting stranger by the second. And then the drama continued. As you have Ashton Doolin suffering an ACL tear, putting him out for the season, changing things up for those receivers who will be catching from Anthony Richardson as if anybody thought anybody else was going to be the starter for the Colts. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.51075, the fan. He is the voice of sports in Indiana, and um, let's start with Jonathan Taylor just as an update on where we are on the drama, the personal reasons. It's not personal reasons. I'm sorry. I'm not buying into that. You can tell me I'm wrong, and I'll listen to you. Where is Jonathan Taylor? What's the story? Well, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, for the personal reasons, I will say this from what I was told, um, the personal reasons are legit, and it's always kind of a, a little dicey area to jump into the whole personal reasons excuse uh, excuse kind of absence i do understand where you're coming from on that and tony i do i think you're with me on this believe that the reason why we haven't seen him and he remains on pup is more because this is a hold in type of situation than it is an injury situation because i mean really jim ursay said going back a month ago with pat mcafee that this is a situation with taylor that he's healed so i think this is more to me and again that's what the info educated guest type of info i've gathered that this is more of a hold-in type of deal with Taylor, but that's exactly where we sit right now. I mean, no progress whatsoever, and whenever he gets back, uh, I guess they're going to evaluate it, but I will give you a hardcore time and place to where we may hear more, and that's going to be on Saturday night in the booth during the broadcast of the Bears-Colts preseason game. Jim Mercer is going to be there in the third quarter with Greg Rakesraw and Rick Venturi, and Rick Venturi certainly will ask about the Jonathan Taylor situation. And you know, say it, like it, whatever, but you know, Jim Mercer is going to tell you what he's thinking, what's on his mind. So that is going to be the sweet spot to where we're going to get our next Jonathan Taylor update. That's tomorrow night during the third quarter of the Bears-Colts preseason game. And... The other part of the drama, and yes, everybody will tune in to see how Jim Irsay decides to go stream of consciousness, as he often does. Uh, Ashton Doolin, with that ACL uh, tear, what happened and what does this do to the receiving core? Yeah, it's one of those situations in practice, unfortunately, in the first of those two combined practices with the Bears, uh, ACL injury, done for the season. And I really feel bad for him. He's a dude, I think, maybe fifth year, maybe a sixth year he was going into making this team. Uh, now, granted, you look at the wide receiver position, he doesn't pull in a lot of catches, doesn't produce a lot, but you can't afford it any spot, I think, offensively right now to take anything away. So you do take him a, away as a backup. But most essentially, he's a special teams ace, Tony. So what you're going to have to find in your next wide receiver, you're going to have to find a wide receiver that can also play special teams. He was a really good special teams player. That takes a significant amount away from that group, and that's where you're going to see the effect uh, of that loss for the season more anywhere than wide receivers, certainly the special teams role that Dula played. 
Is there a kind of take a beat on who's going to take those kick returns and punt returns? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know as far as special teams who might slide in. I mean, they're doing stopgap type of stuff right now. I just like Amari Rogers, for example, Tony, um, the Perryman guy that has been mostly a bust after being a first round pick at wide receiver years ago. I don't think he's ever played the role as special teams guy. So. Yeah, this is one they're going to have to be well thought of. Go out and probably find it at some other point. I don't know so much if you'll find an answer whatsoever come Saturday night. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. Anthony Richardson announced as the starter. Was there ever, 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 ever any question that this was going to go any other way, one of the reports I heard is that Gardner Minshew was uh, disappointed but supportive. Disappointed? Uh, how? Yeah, disappointed. What do you mean? Like uh, in terms of like, like Gardner actually thought he was going to be the starter oh. on this team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was more supportive, I think, than anything else. And and Tony, we talked about this too. The only way that Anthony Richardson was not going to be the week one starter is if he looked at quarterbacks like you and I. I mean, really, that's the only way. And that would have been a really bad sign for the Colts taking him at number four if they felt he was that far away, Tony, from starting in week number one. And here's why. Because then you have to ask the question, all right, so when are you going to get better? So backing up, taking backup snaps during practice and and week preparation for a game – I mean, that wasn't going to happen. This was going to be their thought all along, and they install him as the starter. He's going to take his lumps, Tony, which are going to be many. But, yeah, I mean, everybody knew that. The Colts knew that. Gardner Minshew knew that. Everybody knew that that was going to be the call, which is exactly what the call was earlier this week. So now that he's going to be the starter, how does this change how this offense prepares? Uh, you know, everybody now knows, the offensive line now knows, it, does it signal to them, okay, we got to make sure we're protecting this side better, we got to make sure we're more aggressive here, we got to make sure we lay off there. How does it change how the other parts of that offense maneuver? Well, I mean, we'll see it more once the season gets underway because, frankly, I don't even know if they're going to see him tomorrow or not. You may not. I don't know if they have solidified that he's actually going to play. I'll give you a great example. Justin Fields for the Bears isn't going to play. And that's where these combined practices come in because they actually do in-game stuff, non-vanilla material, both sides of the football in those combined practices that they would not do in a broadcast setting like coming up tomorrow night at Lucas Oil Stadium. So it is still going to be really vanilla. Now, if I were them, Tony, I would give him as much opportunity – to prepare as possible. I'm just not quite sure because I don't think Shane Steichen has officially announced whether or not Anthony Richards is going to play tomorrow night, so it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. But I would err on the side of just giving him as many reps as possible. I just don't know at this point right now if that's going to be the case. So you'd as play I him. Justin Fields already not playing. If it was you, you would play him. I would, yeah. i got to see more. I want to give him the most opportunity possible. And I, I think, again, uh, you want to make sure that he's protected. You're not going to put him out there with the you know, fourth or fifth string dudes that aren't going to be playing coming up in the beginning of September. But I, I want to see him with as many opportunities, Tony, as many reps as possible. I think that all that does is help get him more prepared for what he's going to be a part of coming up at the beginning of the regular season. 
Sam Ellinger is still on the team. Sam Ellinger started games last year, and he's now back to being the number three quarterback. Is he looking for the exit? Is 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 there a reason for him to think that there's going to be a career here? Because he he wasn't even a thought to be somebody yeah. to lead this team going forward. What's his mental state, and what's his future? Um, his his future is going to be a number three here. Um, and I think that I don't, you know, we'll have to see. I don't know. I would assume they'll keep three, but. I don't know if they will for sure. I don't know if that means he goes to the practice squad because nobody has picked him up when he's made that transition before when he was available. So I don't know if they feel comfortable in doing that. I mean, maybe they're just going to go ahead and keep three. I guess that probably could be the case. But his future, Tony, is what we see right now. I mean, his future is you, you get that shot a year ago, fair or unfair, that shot with this, this clown show type of team. And, you know, his future is going to be as a backup quarterback, as a number three quarterback. We're looking at it. But that and that's just it. Does it does he say, Why am I here? Hey, why don't you guys trade me? Hey, I need to go elsewhere, or does he have a contract to finish out and then he'll he'll move on? Yeah, I just don't think there's any place for him elsewhere either. So I think the fact that somebody actually wants him as a part of their organization right now, as a part of that team where he's getting a pay NFL paycheck, um, I think that he would probably be pretty solid with that. Because if somebody actually wanted him, Tony Somebody could have had the opportunity to get him long ago. They just didn't. So I would see – I mean, he's a competitor. He wants to play. But I would say he's comfortable in his position right now, just getting paid on an NFL team. You've got the Colts. You've got the Bears. As you mentioned, a Saturday night uh, when we spoke about the Colts and the Bills, you said you wanted to look at that offensive line play. What yeah. did you see in that offensive line play? And then when we talk about Bear, uh, Colts-Bears, what are you looking for specifically on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball? Hey, Tony, I thought it was a lot better against the Bills. The problem is against the Bears, it's been discombobulated. I mean, if you look at what took place yesterday, the second of those two combined practices, there were a lot of flags thrown on that group, a lot of illegal man downfield situations. Now, granted, uh, Ryan Kelly isn't out there playing, um, and certainly he's going to be at the start of the season. But here's the other thing to watch for. You're going to get a lot of run pass options with the quarterback, and those are all new blocking schemes and situations this group is going through. So they are going to have growing pains in trying to get used to something that they certainly have not been used to with this particular team. But, yeah, you kind of felt good after Buffalo, maybe not so good if you're out there eyeballing that group after the second of those two Bears combined practices. But, again, this is going to be an offensive philosophy with Shane Steichen at the helm that they're going to have to get used to, and that's going to take a little bit of time. JMV, he is the voice of sports in Indiana. Can't thank you enough. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I was wrong. I, I I was wrong. There's no doubt that the wildfires in my in Maui are Joe Biden's Katrina moment. It came up the other day. Is this Joe Biden's Katrina moment? I'm like, no, not 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 specifically. I mean, uh, okay, he hasn't gone, uh, but 
being there, you can get in the way of, of rescue efforts. You can get in, a, a, a way of, in the way of repairs. You got a big entourage and everything else. You don't necessarily run down uh, to Maui. Uh, the minute something bad happens, you got to kind of see what, what's happening on the ground. And are you going to get in the way or are you being uh, of service? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. But when he was asked a question about it, was this earlier this week or was it late last week? Uh, and he's like, no comment. No comment. You have over 100 Americans killed, and you know the number is going to go higher. Sadly, twistedly, it's going to go higher. And, and your answer is no comment. You have people who are trying to engage these, these scams. Hey, uh, so sorry about what happened here. Sign this and we'll help you get everything taken care of. They're trying to, they're trying to steal land from people. There are those who, who went full conspiracy. Is, is the purpose here try, to, to try and get a land grab? There was this commentary about uh, was, was the state of Hawaii going to try and take the land or buy the land? or Very, very strange stuff. And, and there was a lot of this conversation. Uh, you have no comment at all. The only thing that you had was $700 a person. The same week you're sending billions to Ukraine, the same week you're laying on a beach in Delaware. No comment. Man, that's a bad look. It made it look like you didn't care. And then soon after that, oh, we're going to be going to, to Hawaii. Oh, the president cares. This, of course, is top priority, top priority. Harumph, 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 harumph. And then you're asked about it, and your answer is, when asked, do you have anything to say about the trip to Hawaii? No. The reason he has nothing to say about it is because he hasn't been told what to say about it. I think this is absolutely emblematic of his inability to keep multiple thoughts in his head at one time. This is about his age. This is about his infirmities. This is about how he is not capable because he's not capable that's what this is about beginning to end by the way i think that's what this is is about he's not answering because he doesn't know what he's supposed to say and people looked at these answers and they're like whoa that's messed up not even the standard platitudes of caring but not caring is kind of the, the, the hallmark of this administration. You've got members of Congress, Democrats, who want to tell you that the economy is just fine. If it, the amount of the pie shrinks under the, the discretionary side of things, how and Democrats and, and Republicans both want to do a lot. There's a lot of problems we want to solve. And if it's all spent servicing the debt, that doesn't help anyone. Yeah, so service on the debt is a rising portion. I mean, it's right now in the uh, mid to high single digit range. The reason why it's been going up, of course, more than anything is because of the increased in, in interest rates. But right. what I would say is what I would say, though, is that for all the uh, naysayers uh, and doomsday types, this has been a pretty bad year for them. At every turn, this economy has been getting better and better. And the overall economic picture has been getting better. I am confident that we will be able to come together and solve our long-term debt issues. I remember in the early 1990s. I don't need to listen to what you have to say, Congressman, in the early 1990s. Congressman Boyle, better and better, you say. Everything's, is it like going to Olive Garden and just keeps getting better and better? 
This is what Americans are saying at the Iowa State Fair. Jillian, well, every voter that we've talked to here on the ground in Iowa brings up the economy. They say they're paying more from everything from groceries to utilities than they ever have before. Honestly, everything is more expensive. I mean, I have three kids, and so, I mean, just getting diapers is really expensive. Yeah. Yeah, that's reality. Who am I going to believe? The congressman who's part and parcel of delivering a message from the administration that is hell-bent on not being honest? Or am I going to listen to the mom at the Iowa State Fair who's holding on to one kid while another kid is next to her saying, yeah, diapers, damn, that's a lot of money. You, you can listen to the politicos or you can listen to facts. It's totally up to you. But there is a, a rampant dishonesty here. And it helps no one. You're just going to continue to talk, uh, try and deflect on this economy issue in the hopes that your other plan to ensure that Trump is the nominee comes to fruition so you can then say, look at all these indictments and not have to talk about the economy at all. Oh, you, you, you know that that's part of the plan. Take, look at how they act. Look at how they maneuver. Look at how it's all playing on the chessboard. Just follow the moves. They are going to lie about the economy until they can deflect completely from the economy and not talk about the economy or the border or China or why Hunter Biden was living in the White House for two weeks when the cocaine was found. I mean, that just seems obvious. Find everything at TonyCats.com. I will catch you Monday, everyone. Take care.